0: God, we are so humble to come into your presence knowing what a powerful, wonderful, awesome God you are. God, thank you for helping us to understand our position with you. Thank you for helping us to understand how much we need that power. How much we need to Speak life that comes from you into the world around us that can only happen through your power through your word God now we look to your word and we, we pray that that power from heaven will fall upon us I pray that our hearts will be moved drawn close to you That we'll see the love that you have for us demonstrated in a real, personal, authentic way. God, lead us now as we continue to worship by looking into your word. Empower us through your word by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I invite you to take your Bible and open with me today to Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible that you brought or... One that maybe you picked up in the front. We're going to be here in Philippians chapter 2 for uh, the the next four weeks. And we have an opportunity to to experience Advent through the eyes of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. So Philippians chapter 2 for our reading today, we're going to look at the first four verses. So, you follow along with me as, as I read aloud. So if there is any encouragement in Christ. Any comfort from love. Any participation in the Spirit. Any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love. Being in full accord. And of one mind. Do nothing From selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And may God bless the application of his word today to the hearts and lives of every believer. We're so excited this year that our Advent journey is taking us on this series through Philippians. Advent literally means arrival of a notable person or thing or event. And Advent is the season that leads up to Christmas, including the four weeks preceding Christmas. There's nothing more important in life than relationship. Let me say that again. There is nothing more important in life than relationship. As we walk through this journey with Philippians as our guide this Christmas season, we're going to look through the value of Christmas through the lens of the values of our church here at Palmetto Shores. And so, during Advent, we're going to be celebrating the values of our church. And the first value that we're going to celebrate this morning is the value of relationship. Selfish ambition says that the world is all about me. I draw a circle around myself, and everything that I'm focused on in life comes from inside that circle. I'm focused on myself. True relationship, on the other hand, says that God is more important than I am. True relationship says that other people are more important than I am. And so we're going to see as we work through the text today that life begins by relating to God through faith in His Christmas gift. And that's Jesus. Life becomes quality life when we treat others with preference to our own selves. So regarding God and others as better than yourself means that you are aware and repentant of sins that you commit. It also means that you're willing to accept the failure of others without judging them. And today we're looking at this through the lens of the church at Philippi. Philippi was a very diverse city. It was a Roman colony. Its citizens were proud of the privileges of their Roman citizenship. In fact, Philippi was a a mini-Rome, so to speak. Uh, The Apostle Paul traveled there on his second missionary journey. Remember when, if you're familiar with the, the account in Acts, Acts chapter 16, the Holy Spirit would not allow Paul to continue his ministry uh, in the Middle East. There was a Macedonian call for Paul to go to Europe. And this was the first church that Paul visited, the first church that he established in Europe on that second missionary journey. Acts 16, describes the initial makeup of that Philippian church. L- look at them, listen to the makeup as I just summarize. Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through the end of the chapter. There was a lady by the name of Lydia who was a successful businesswoman. Lydia was a, 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 became a baptized believer. She was a very wealthy Greek. Also, there was a fortune-telling Greek girl that's described in, in this passage. We don't even know what her name was. But we know that she came to know Christ, and she was... Baptized into the fellowship of that church at at Philippi. Toward the end of the chapter, we have a very familiar account of a Roman guard who was guarding Paul and Silas after they had been beaten half to death. In fact, they thought they had been beaten to death. They were dragged into prison, and at midnight an earthquake occurred while they were singing psalms and songs, praises to God, in prison. The Roman guard... Witness their testimony. They could have walked away free. But they chose to stay there. Saving his life. He was baptized. And his whole family was baptized into the church. This was a very diverse church. In the first century in Philippi. The church had Jews and Greeks and Romans. All with different backgrounds and different customs. And the church... The church actually reflected this diversity. Different types, different customs, different belief systems, but all brought together under the gospel in the name of Christ, unified in Christ. So in Philippians chapter 1, Paul reminded believers that it was more important for them to be kingdom minded than to be earthly minded. Now, I could stop right there and preach a message that would last our whole time this morning. But that's not our purpose. Be more kingdom-minded than earthly-minded. He also reminded them that conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ highlighted two things. That was preference to their relationship to God and preference to their relationship to one another. There are three enemies of relationship that I have to just unfold here before we dive into the text. One is selfishness, the other is jealousy, and the other is prejudice. The gospel of Jesus Christ is thwarted, actually it cannot exist in an environment of selfishness and jealousy and prejudice. Selfishness and jealousy and prejudice destroy genuine relationship with God and genuine relationship with people who are different from us. And so we have to make sure as a preface to chapter 2 of Philippians, we understand chapter 1, which says we need to rid ourselves of all selfishness and jealousy and prejudice if we're going to have genuine, authentic relationships in the body of Christ. Selfishness is the enemy of relationship. Jealousy destroys the fabric of relationship. And prejudice is a wall that separates individuals from one another. Thus it blocks relationship. So what does it look like as we move into chapter 2 now? What does it look like to value relationship? We're going to have three things. Three things this morning that jumped right out at us from this passage about relationship. First of all, relationship with God produces meaning. Look at verse 1, the very first phrase of of verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ. And so immediately in this passage, the Apostle Paul brings in the Christmas story. He brings in Christ. He brings in Jesus Christ. Christmas begins with finding relationship with God through Jesus. And I don't want to assume that anybody here has taken that step of faith. If you want to have a relationship with God, it starts by receiving God's Christmas gift of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel of the Lord came to Mary and the angel said this, She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. See, Christmas is the launch pad for us today to have a meaningful relationship with God. God sent Jesus into the world to save you from your sins. And that's the beginning of a relationship with God. Have you bowed your knee to God and said yes to His Christmas gift of Jesus? Have you said yes to Jesus and received that gift that God offers to bring you into right relationship with Him? See, every evil in the world is generated by sin. Every evil in the world is generated by sin. What does sin do? Sin separates us from God. And your purpose for being here on this earth is to be in relationship with God. And so sin separates you from God. And life apart from God is meaningless. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life And that you might have it more abundantly, that you might have a full and meaningful life. Sin is a thief. It steals, kills, and destroys your relationship with God. So you don't have real meaning in life unless unless you've made that commitment of your life to Jesus and received Him in childlike faith as your personal Lord and Savior. Christmas shouts the good news that relationship with God can be restored through Jesus. And I'll go further to say it can, according to Scriptures, only be restored through Jesus. So what does relationship with God look like? For Adam, in the book of Genesis, it was walking with God in the garden. He had relationship with God one-on-one. For Noah, it was hearing the voice of God in a world filled with nothing but filth and evil and rebellion against God. And he obeyed God's command to go build a supersized boat to perpetuate life on this earth after a flood. For Moses it was to confront Pharaoh after 400 years of Israelite slavery in Egypt. And then not only confront Pharaoh, but convince the Israelites to follow the hand of God as Moses led them through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. For David, we stayed about David last week, for David it was to repent of horrible sins, sins of adultery and murder and trust God to bless his family forever and ever and ever. And obviously this was fulfilled through Jesus as we talked about last week. So today relationship with God starts by accepting Jesus. It starts by accepting the Christmas gift that God offers to us through Jesus. The bigger perspective of Matthew chapter 1. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1. The angel said to Joseph, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The greatest relationship that you can establish and maintain and live with in your life is your vertical relationship with God. So I have to ask this morning, you know, how's it going? How, How is the meaning for your life being fueled by that personal vertical relationship that you have moment by moment in life with God himself? Where are you drawing your source of life from? You know, some people draw their source of life from pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Go for all the fun that you can experience. You know what the problem is with drawing meaning from pleasure? It wears off. <laughs> it wears off. Pleasure always wears off. You have to have more and more and more and more. Some people draw their meaning from life from possessions. Again, bigger houses, newer vehicles, newer fashions, exotic vacations, comfortable retirement accounts, etc. The problem with drawing meaning from life through possessions is that (laughs) there's never enough. You never get enough. There's always more out there that you crave and are driven toward. Some people draw meaning from life by building a power base for life. When your power base wins, you feel great. But when another power base is in power, you become fearful and anxious. I mean, I, I, I see that all over the world today in the, in the world of, of politics. Politics. Drawing your source of life from any other source than your relationship with God is meaningless. I heard about a church recently in our county where church leaders are suing other church leaders in the same church. The, The craving for power is just senseless, it's meaningless. And what Paul is saying to the Philippian church is, he's going to say later that it destroys the image and the witness of Christ. So drawing meaning from power is frustrating. It's a frustrating way of life. I could go on and on and on. I could talk about people drawing the source of life, meaning from life from their jobs, from their families, from... You know, sports. I mean, all of these things are not bad. They're not bad at all, but they're not meant to be a source for life. Relationship with God produces meaning. You'll never have meaning in your life until you come to God through Jesus and sell out to making all of life about Him. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do from this value that is a high value in our church. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. If you just look back just a few verses from chapter 2, verse 1, you see that Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. A life worthy of the gospel is fueled by that personal relationship with God. So again, I have to ask you, when when is the last time that, that you were confident in knowing that you were living directly connected to the hand and heart of God, that He is the source of your life? All manner of life worthy of the gospel can only exist in relationship with God. That's where it starts, with relationship with God. So make sure this morning that you are living in that personal relationship with God through Jesus. Only then can you have a full and meaningful Christmas as well as a full and meaningful and productive life. But that's not all. Paul completes his thought. Number two, relationship with Christ produces joy. Produces joy. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Philippians chapter 2. So if there be any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I hope you can just sense the emotion from Paul when he wrote this. He longed for there to be unity in the Philippian church. He loved that church probably more than he loved any other church. And he wanted them to be able to carry on the ministry of the gospel without being sidetracked by disunity. The unity that he was talking about is only possible when we are united together in Christ Believers are charged to to filter our differences through our common relationship with Jesus. That leaves no room whatsoever for self-centeredness. And the result of unity is obvious. In fact, he gives four results of unity here. First of all, unity creates encouragement. Where does encouragement come from? It comes from being united with Christ. That's what the text says. Encouragement from being united with Jesus. And every believer receives comfort and rebuke from Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 14 and verse 16, before Jesus was crucified, He said, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Help us to do what? Help us to find life in our relationship with with God. Help us to find life in our relationship with other people. That Spirit of Jesus, that Holy Spirit of God, unites us in our single purpose to share the gospel with the world around us. Relationship with Christ produces joy. He goes on and he says, unity creates comfort from his love for believers. Later on in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And believers are compelled to share that same kind of love with one another. Unity creates fellowship in the Spirit as well as encouragement and comfort. The fellowship with the Spirit has brought you into fellowship with one another. You can't have a right relationship with God without having a right relationship with other people. So where do factions and divisions come from in the body of Christ? Well, they come from selfishness and jealousy Self centeredness, me wanting to have my own way in life. Healthy relationship in the church is critical if we're going to have joy. If we're going to, I mean, when people witness the body of Christ from the outside, what is it about the fellowship of believers in Christ for the glory and honor of God? that would want somebody outside of the body of Christ to want to become part of the body of Christ. It should be that joy, that joy that bubbles over from having a unified spirit and a selfless, self-giving kind of uh, attitude toward life. Being joyful in Christ creates a spirit of affection and sympathy, Paul says here, for fellow believers. In other words, the needs and feelings of others become a priority over my own needs and and feelings. So what happens when problems enter the church? And disunity raises its head in the church. Are you aware that that's why this letter was written to the church at Philippi? Because there was a disagreement within the church, and Later on in chapter 4, Paul gives instructions as to how to handle disagreements in the church. He gives three different directives. He says, in order to maintain a joyful relationship with others, number one, respond to problems immediately. Number two, make adjustments appropriately. And number three, repair breaches quickly. And sometimes, as it does in chapter 4 of Philippians, it takes a mediator to, to to bring parties together who are in disagreement to work through their disagreement for one reason. And that's to the honor and glory of of Jesus Christ. In verse two, he says, "Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This has always been a challenge in the church. If you look back in church history to the 18th century, there was a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards who was a great preacher. He preached a sermon entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God that kind of launched the Great Awakening during the 18th century. The sad side of that story is that toward the end of his ministry, Jonathan Edwards was asked to leave that church because of a disagreement among the leaders over some doctrinal preferences. What kind of witness does that give to the world when believers in Christ can't work things out for the glory of God? Verse two reminds us that the joy of knowing Christ and following Christ overflows when Christians look at it or like-minded, Loving like Jesus, living in one accord, and living like-minded lives. So, again, we have four directives here. See, every action you take starts here in the mind. How you think determines how you feel, and how you feel determines how you act. Always, every action you take starts in the computer, the calculator that God has built into your mind. Your mind is an analytical computer. It creates reasons and justifications. It naturally holds suspicions and offenses. It naturally justifies fighting for our rights. Notice I use the word naturally. Because in the human flesh, you have that circle drawn around yourself and you're fighting for your own rights naturally. A bad attitude naturally creates resentments and resentments destroy relationship. So you can't have real relationship unless you set your mind on having relationships that honor God first and are thinking about others before you think about yourself. So Paul encouraged this diverse opinionated church To be of the same mind. To be like-minded. To make peacemaking a priority. He goes on, and we're going to look at this in more detail next week when we look at humility. But, But Jesus surrendered his position. He surrendered his rights. He surrendered his comfort. He came from heaven to earth. To show you and me what the love of God really looks like. And he's our model. Loving like Jesus, as Paul uses that phrase here. Loving like Jesus requires us to love each other. Loving like Jesus requires us to reach out to the lost world with his love. So love like Jesus by loving others as you love yourself. There's no an ancient proverb that says that when spider webs unite, they can tie up a lion. Full accord, the word that Paul uses here, full accord, means pulling together in the same direction for the same purpose at the same time. And that's what the church has been charged and challenged to do with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like a laser. Anything concentrated has more power. When, when I had this little surgery done on my face a couple of weeks ago, as the doctor would sew up the inside of the wound that he created to take the tumor out, he would cauterize just a, an intense part of light, just intense light, And he burned all the way around where he had taken the the slices out of my face to keep it from bleeding. Intensive, laser-type power and light should be the testimony of the Christian church. Pulling together in the same direction for the same purpose centered around the gospel of Christ. So being in one accord among believers makes the gospel inviting to the outside world. Jesus said it so well in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another by this, by the way you love one another, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. The world is watching our church And they deserve to see a unity of purpose in lifting high the banner of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's critical that the church have one purpose, spreading the gospel that takes priority over any differences that we might have. So when believers from diverse places in life Live in relationship with one mind. The door to effectively sharing the gospel swings wide open. Wide open. And that's what I want to see at Palmetto Shores as we prepare our hearts to move into 2022. Relationship with Christ produces joy. Finally this morning, relationship produces selflessness. Selflessness. Look at verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now stop there just for a moment. See, humans are naturally selfish. Human nature says, Put yourself first concessions and compromises then become absolutely necessary to keep the main thing the main thing. So what's the main thing? Well, the main thing is the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus brings joy, that Jesus brings life, that Jesus brings relationship. Selfish ambition and conceit destroy relationship. And so true relationship is built on selflessness. Verse 4, he says, let each of you look not only at your own interest, but also at the interest of others. So as we narrow the focus down this morning, what are you looking at in your life? Are you looking at your interest or the interest of Jesus? Are you aiming at your rights Or the interest of Jesus? What's your target? Your interest or the interest of Jesus? What's your laser focus? Is it your interest or the interest of Jesus? I don't know about you, but this is very convicting. It's very convicting for me. Paul is so direct here. He says, selfish ambition What is selfish ambition? Well, it means that I care more about me than I do about you. Than I do about others. It says that I'm more interested in getting what I can get as opposed to what I can give to the kingdom of God. Selfish ambition means that I I care more about myself than I do about the world around me coming to know Jesus. Jesus. As their personal Lord and Savior. Selfish ambition. What is conceit? Well, conceit is the opposite of the model of Jesus. That he modeled for us in humility. And again, we'll talk more about that. Much more about that next week. So what is your ambition? How do you deal with conceit? Preference of yourself over the preference of others. Is being considerate to other people in their walk with Jesus a priority to you over your own self, your self-needs. Two relationships form our eternal destiny and well-being. Relationship with God and our relationship with others. Vertically, you begin a meaningful life by establishing that vertical relationship with God. Horizontally, the world comes alive when you establish your relationship with others. Jesus, remember, was once asked, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what he said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing more important in life than relationship. And without relationship, there is no meaningful life. There is no meaningful Christmas. So how do we get there? What what does it mean to have that relationship? How can we get to that relationship that we need with God and with others? Because relationship with God and others brings joy to the world. Don't you agree that our world today needs joy. So as we turn this passage inward so that we can focus outward, what are we doing to produce an atmosphere of joy to the world? I heard someone say this week that we're quick to judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And this is where it hits the value system. See, values can be actual or they can be aspirational. It's so sad that most churches and many times including Palmetto Shores, we operate in life over aspirational values, what we want our values to be rather than what they actually are in the way we live them out in our lives. See, aspiring to have a relationship with God is not the same as having a relationship with God. Aspiring to have a relationship with others is not the same as having a genuine relationship with others. I share this from my heart with All the love and I hope you'll receive it by the intention that it's shared. But my heart was kind of twinged this past week when I saw where a person who had been attending our church for 14 years followed Christ in baptism and joined another church in our community. that said something about the depth of the relational value that I have been having with the membership of our church. And I pray that God will forgive me for not going deeper in relationship with that person, with that family. Also, as you know, working through COVID, We've had had more than just a few families leave the fellowship of our church looking for a deeper relationship base for their family. And we're not responsible for all of that, but we are responsible for some of it. And I don't want to sweep it under the rug. Today, as I work through the value of relationship in our church... I long for our church to be a church that produces the kind of joy, make my joy complete, as Paul said, by the way we value relationship with God and by the way we value relationship with other people. Whatever it takes I want that kind of joy in our fellowship. For those of you who are investing in deep, meaningful relationship through our church, thank you so much. Some of you are really doing a good job with that, a great job with that. Thank you. But for the sake of the gospel, I'm praying that meaningful relationship will become the standard operating system for Palmetto Shores as we move into 2022. There's never been a season where I need help. I I need help from God. I need help from the members of this church to navigate through this season of our church life so that the love of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the gospel that Jesus so freely offers will be clearly presented to the world around us through the lives of our membership here at the church. I need you to make church membership a priority. If you're a member of this church, the day has come where we need to value our membership and make it the priority of our life. Christ loved the church and gave His life for it. No greater love could be expressed than that. The church is worth investing in. The church is worth being a part of and giving life for. We've been blessed with the gospel here as a standard of life. I make no apologies for that. We've been blessed with the gospel to preach to ourselves as well as to preach to others. And we've been blessed with the gospel to share. And I pray that whether it's with family members or our community or to the world around us, I pray that we will be faithful to letting the joy of the Lord bubble out over us. Make our joy complete in Jesus. Let every heart prepare Him room. We sang it. Joy to the world. When Jesus is the priority of our relationship, then there will be joy to the world. It can't be hidden under a bushel. God, thank You today that Your Holy Spirit continues to move us in a mighty way toward not just aspiring to make relationship the foundation for our church and our ministry. God, I pray that that will become the actual testimony of our church. God, I thank you for waking us up to the reality that there's no greater need in this world than Jesus. The world desperately needs Jesus. And I pray that the joy that flows from the lives of the members of Palmetto Shores will be an open door and even a billboard that draws people to the love of God through Jesus. God, let joy to the world reign and rule through the lives of the members of this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.